Welcome to our podcast. First episode. We're a little nervous in yeah. case you can't tell, but that's okay. Just talking to friends. Yeah, it's okay. We can edit some of this out. Yeah, probably. Okay, so moving into my story, I will be covering the movement for the restoration of the Ten Commandments of God, which is a surprise to you because I was covering Kashi Ashram or whatever the name is. Yeah. Yeah. So wait, is this so is this the Ant Hill kids? No, totally different people. No, so this is Uganda. from that. Okay. And then also a pronunciation disclaimer because I'm going to try my best, but English is the only language I know, so I'm sorry. In the late 1970s, countless members of the Roman Catholic Church in Uganda claimed to have visions of Jesus and the Virgin Mary, as one normally does. Um, among these individuals was a man named Paul Kahaku and his daughter Credonia. Credonia was born in 1952 and was described as charming, beautiful, and intelligent. She came off as someone who lived a strict lifestyle. Uh, she fasted regularly. She slept without a mattress, prayed for hours on ends, and often went into trances where she was communicating directly with the Virgin Mary. Um, in early adulthood, she owned and operated a bar with her first husband and was supposedly intimate with customers in exchange for cash. So she was a prostitute. <laughs> in 1989, the bar closed. Oh, No. Yeah, it's a little wild. I was like, oh, girl. You think Virgin Mary is speaking to a prostitute? I mean, her name is Virgin, but okay. That's the first name. Um, <laughs> in 1989, the bar closed due to a lack of money. Uh, so Credonia divorced her husband and was left on the streets. But shortly after the closing, she claimed to have been walking in a cave and received more visions from the Virgin Mary. Her father, Paul, then... Mm. Yeah, she's rad. Her father, Paul, then instructed her and a woman named Ursula to take these messages and spread them across the country. Now, there are varying accounts on Ursula because I have read that she was Credonia's sister, Paul's granddaughter. I have no idea who she is. Some lady that spread messages with Credonia. She's a, an octopus at the bottom of the sea. I know. She's Duh. evil. I mean, they are. These women are evil, unfortunately. The same year, the two women met a man named Joseph Kibwiri, who we're now only going to call Joseph. Uh, Joseph was a well-known and well-liked headmaster of a Catholic private school in the area that he reportedly paid for himself. So this man was big ballin' in Uganda. Big time. Uh, he was married to a woman named Teresa, and the couple had 16 children together. Oh, Teresa. <laughs> yeah. The duo had gone to see Credonia speak on her visions, and while they were there, Credonia approached Joseph and told him the Virgin Mary had instructed her to find the man named Kabwiri, who would take who would take her and Ursula into his home, and they would spread her message to the world together. That very same night, Joseph drove Credonia and Ursula back to his house and moved them in. First of all, what was Teresa thinking this whole time? Was she cool at this? Was she not a... I mean, I wouldn't have allowed this, but it was a different time. She already has 16 kids, so, yeah, like, at and this I'm sure. point, the yeah. more the merrier. You can take care of 15 of them, and I'll just yeah, take I'm the sure one that I like. Yeah, I'm sure that's what she thought, but who knows. Uh, so within days of being in the house, Joseph moved Credonia and Ursula into the same bedroom as him and Teresa. Teresa denies there is any sexual relationship between Credonia and Joseph, but if you know, you know, you know? Mm-hmm. Sure. Yeah. Sure. sure. 16 kids later, and you're like, no, no singing yeah, sure, parties for me. Um, in an interview with Associated Press, one of Joseph's sons, Mugambwa, stated that the family soon learned Credonia had a liking for cruelty. She often exploded into fits of rage, beating Joseph's children and demanding total obedience to her divinely inspired messages. After a few months, talking was banned in the house in favor of sign language. Meals were cut back from three... What? <laughs> it, it escalates so fast. <laughs> Meals were cut back from three to two, and they spent two days a week fasting, and all members at this time were instructed to wear black. It just goes off the rails. What? Like, why? She's crazy. Okay, yeah. we don't say crazy anymore, because she's weird. So by 1991, the group had more than 200 members who had gathered at Joseph and Teresa's house, and sadly, all of the children began to bear the brunt of the violence. 
Um, according to Magambwa, nearly 60 children were forced to sleep in a 15 by 40 foot shed in the backyard where they slept on the dirt floor and were repeatedly infected with scabies. Uh, he quoted, when I offered the children sweets, they refused, making a sign that I was Satan and I was cast as an enemy, unquote. Well, okay. You can't yeah. really offer kids sweets. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> you might actually be the devil. But he's one of the kids, too. That's the worst part. So then after three years of, you know, this fucking madness, in 1992, Teresa and her children were just over it. They urged Joseph to force Credonia and all the other members out, and after he refused, they ended up calling in the village elders. And then when they finally forced Credonia to go, Joseph followed them, telling his family that they were not his children and that Teresa was not his wife. Well, well, who was she then? You just pick her and her 16 kids up off the street, and you're like, yeah, you can live here, which actually, with his track <laughs> yeah. record, probably. Uh, he returned only once to Kumbumba for a funeral and did not speak to his family throughout the entire visit. So he's a, he's a real fucking winner. Someone I probably wouldn't follow. Sounds like some Scientology. Yeah, yeah well, we sounds like some. <laughs> uh, so Joseph joined Credonia in a compound in Kanungai, which was later referred to as Noah's Ark, original, and the place where the second coming of Christ would occur. And so while Joseph was the figurehead of this group, and he was a public leader, many survivors and even Teresa claimed that Credonia was the leader and was often referred to as the programmer. The group kept to themselves, and they started to live a relatively prosperous lifestyle. Uh, they built homes in a communal setting. They built a church, an office, and even a school for the children to attend. But in 1998, the group did encounter some problems when authorities took away their license for operating the school because it was found to be breaching public health regulations, and there were rumors of possible mistreatment of the children, which, I mean, it was true. It was not rumors. And then the cult's ranking began to swell with the estimates of peak membership varying from 1,000 to 5,000. And they had numerous compounds spread throughout Uganda. So they're not all in one location. They're everywhere across Uganda. It was a big cult. How do you even manage that? Stiff hand. So during her time in the cult, well, leading the cult, Cardonia published a book titled A Timely Message from Heaven, The End of the Present Time. God, they like big titles in this fucking cult which detailed the beliefs of the movement, and each member was required to read this document or have it read to them because, you know, some of them couldn't read and write, multiple times before joining the group. And one reading of this book could last four to six days. I'm just telling you, if it, if it goes past half an hour, I'm out. That call's not for me. Yeah, right? Like, no, no thank you. I don't want it. Audiobook version? No thanks. I still don't want it. Uh, so when the members were finally allowed to join, they were placed into three separate groups. The novices, who were the newest members and had to wear all black. The next group, who were those who just promised to follow the commandments and they wore all green. And the highest group and the final group were those who were fully professed members and were, quote, willing to die in the ark, unquote. And those members wore green and white. So, you know, they elevated their style a little bit, rose up from black. So what you can probably guess from the name, they were extremely strict on their beliefs of the Ten Commandments. They believed that they needed to be restored to their original importance to bring back Jesus Christ so he could save them all. They discouraged medical care, avoided sex, participated in hours-long nightly prayers and rituals, and lived extremely minimalistic lifestyle. Which is like, you know, minimalism's in right now, so maybe some people join. Yeah, I could probably join that cult. But then you hear hours-long prayers, and I'm like, <laughs> uh, They also only spoke in sign language so that they wouldn't break the ninth commandment, which is, Thou shall not bear any false witness to thy neighbor, which I don't understand what that means. Yeah, I don't either. You can't be mean to each other? All right, so, but the biggest thing that the group preached, however, was the end times. So the leaders, Credonia, so a doomsday cult, which is, you know, always fucking fantastic. Oh, yeah, great. So the leaders, Credonia and Joseph, claimed the Virgin Mary would appear and take the members to heaven on the 31st of December, 1999. Which, you know, I'll give them a little credit. Y2K, all that shit going on. Everybody thought that the world was going to end. So, you know, not, not super crazy. 
But then again, Y2K was because it was going to hit 2000, right? Yeah, because like all of the machines were only, or like all of our computers and stuff were only programmed to go to 1999. So everyone was like, oh my God, the machines are going to rise up and kill us or we're going to lose the infrastructure. Yeah, so it's something to do with like the internal clocks on the computer. Okay, because I was going to say like we've had the 1800s, the 1700s, like we've we've done this before. But I mean, if if you're doing computers, then yeah, I guess. Yeah, it was the machines for this one is what scared everyone. Um, but when this prophe- prophecy obviously failed to come true, some of these members were fucking pissed. They demanded their money back. They began to question if the leaders were actually appointed, if they were even speaking to the Virgin Mary. Because you have to remember, like, some of these members, they left their families. They sold everything on the belief that this cult was true. And then it fucking wasn't. Like, how desperate do you have to be to join a cult and then, like, to leave your family over some belief that there's there's no proof whatsoever. Not even a shred. Yeah, some random ass lady? Yeah. Like, who is she? Yeah. Who is you this lady? be really desperate. Yeah. Which I'm not, you know, Uganda at the time, they had a dictator. Towards the end, they were in the Civil War. Yeah. The AIDS epidemic was hitting them really hard. So I'm sure they just needed something to believe in. And when these two people who were charismatic came up and said, hey, guess who we're talking to? And they were all Roman Catholic, so the Virgin Mary is important in that religion. But whenever they said, you know, guess who we're talking to? You want to come and speak to her with us? Like, they left, which is horribly sad. And they obviously preyed upon people like this. I guess I could see that then. Like, if all that stuff is happening, then I could see that. But then, I don't know. I just, I feel like it's so drastic to leave your family. Like, your family's not coming with you. Maybe you should go, why aren't they doing that? Yeah, all 16 fucking kids. Joseph, who's their dad now? Well, apparently not him anyway, so. Yeah, apparently not Joseph. I want to know what happened to her. Yeah, Teresa? (laughs) Well, um, in order to save face, Credonia and Joseph then set up a second date for the world to end, which was March 17th, 2000, St. Patty's Day. What a weird day. Also the day after my mother's birthday. Shout out Stacy. Stacy. (laughs) So shortly before that day, Joseph finally reached out to his family and he wrote a letter to Teresa telling her to carry on the movement after his departure. Hmm, little ominous. The lady that you just left with her 16 kids that you claim weren't yours. Yeah, after she said, get the fuck out with all this shit, he said, oh, please, Teresa, can you can you just carry it on? No, bro. No. Get out. Remember those 16 kids that are definitely yours that you said weren't? I don't think so. Bye. Yeah. All right, so on March 15th, which there are varying accounts, I read that they began partying two days before the ultimate death of the cult, the hour before the death of the cult, but I went with the most prevalent, which was on March 15th, two days before the death. Uh, So on March 15th, 2000, the members of the cult began to have a large party. They bought, they Oh, God. Let me just restart that. <laughs> that should be the beginning. They, oh, God. <laughs> they bought and slaughtered three bulls, which, like, bulls in that nation are very a hot commodity. Like, that's really good. They bought three of them, drank over 70 crates of soft soda. I don't know why I said soft soda. <laughs> they drank over 70 crates of soda. What the fuck? I obviously copy and pasted that. And they spent the next two days conducting rituals, praying, and dancing. But, lo and behold, on March 17th, the group moved into the church building on the compound, and shortly after, nearby villages reported hearing an explosion and seeing the building covered in flames. Every individual inside the church perished, with the total number of victims ranging from 500 to 800, which, like, that's a big fucking deal, because I think Jonestown was only 900-something, and that was the largest. So this tragedy was quickly rolled a collective suicide, Uh, Just as I said, you have to remember that during this time, cult suicides weren't popular, but they were really well documented. Jonestown was, what, 78? Heaven's Gate was 97? So this is still fresh in people's mind. It was broadcasted in the media. There was this kind of, like, cult panic that was going on. However, once the police did begin to investigate all the deaths, some really disturbing shit came out. The doors and the windows of the church had been boarded up. 
the neighbors reported smelling gasoline. And in the days prior to the party, one of the members named Dominic was seen buying 50 liters of sulfuric acid, which investigators believe was used to start the fire. Which is just, what the fuck? The group also had planned for another party to be on the 18th, and it invited members of law enforcement and other religious groups in the area, likely to throw authorities off of their plans. And within four days of the church fire, the police investigated the movement's other properties and discovered hundreds of bodies at sites across southern Uganda. Six bodies were found sealed in the latrine at the Kunangwa compound, 155 bodies were found at the Dominic guy's house, and another 81 bodies were found at Joseph's farm. So, like, were your fucking 16 kids, like, running around with 81 bodies? Like, where do you hide 81 bodies from 17 people? Especially kids. And the police stated that all these individuals had been murdered about three weeks prior to the inferno, and had died of numerous different causes, including stabbing, poisoning, and strangling. Initially, it was reported that Credonia and Joseph had perished in the fire. However, sightings of Joseph and Credonia following the fire, as well as warrants for their arrest being issued by the government, have some believing that they're still alive and living under assumed names. Oh my gosh. So like these motherfuckers just like killed everyone and rolled out. Possibly, who knows. Investigators believe the failure of the doomsday prophecy to come true led to revolt in the ranks, and the leaders had to set a new date with a plan to eliminate their followers. The discovery of bodies at other sites, the church being boarded up, the usage of possibly the sulfuric acid, and the possible disappearance of sect leaders all point to this theory, and additionally, survivors said that the movement leadership had never spoken of mass suicide when preparing for the end of the world. So, obviously, the Ugandan government, as well as the world, responded with an outcry and condemned the group. The president called the event a mass murder by these priests for monetary gain. The vice president spoke out and said that these were callously well-orchestrated mass murders perpetrated by a network of diabolical criminals masquerading as religious people. And that is a story of the movement for the restoration of the Ten Commandments of God in Uganda. That's pretty ridiculous. Like, that whole thing. That, and I never heard of them. And you hear all the time, Jonestown is one of the most popular cults. When you talk about cults' death or cult deaths, Jonestown is always brought up because of just a magnitude of people. But then you hear this one, and it's like, what the fuck, bro? Like, they at least a minimum of 500 people were burned in the church. They found hundreds of other bodies in different compounds, and no one talks about this one. Well, okay, I'm going to be honest. I've never heard of Jonestown either, so. But I, like, live under a rock, so. Oh I guess God. you're going to have to do those on yeah. another day. <laughs> that is a crazy one. Yeah, I will have to, but. I can't believe how many different kinds of deaths there were. It just makes you wonder if they were trying to get other people to, like, go with them. Because I fully believe that Joseph and Crow, I can't say her name, but they're alive. They did that on purpose. Yeah. Oh, banging and alive. The people in the latrine, the people who were stabbed to death, they tried to get help from them. They refused. And then these two murdered them. I'm just saying. That theory is so right. Like, I think that when, you know, December 31st, the world didn't end, you know, members were like, I want my fucking money back. Where's my fucking money? I'm going to leave. I'm going to take my family and go back. And they thought, oh, we can't, you know, lose all this money. So then they devised a new plan and unfortunately it involved murdering hundreds of women children and men i mean at least it's not one of those cults that you hear about where the dude just takes on 60 wives and then just fathers children oh mormonism oh sorry (laughs) that's one we'll talk about no because every time i hear a cult that's kind of what i think of just because of like the tv shows and movies and everything and i'm just sitting there going Man, cults are really disgusting. They are, yeah. But then, like, I don't think that they start out disgusting. I think that's a bit... Well, this one started out disgusting. I don't know. This one just fucking jumped off. 
eventually we will cover Jonestown, which is the cult is known as the People's Temple. And it started out so good. Like it was all about religious, or not religious equality. It was all about equality among the races between men and women. Like come here, let's talk about love. Let's do sit-ins to protest racism. Like it was started out so good. And then it just fucking, it just fell off. Yeah, I know. I don't know anything about Jonestown, so... Yeah, we'll have to cover it. It's a long one, but it's so good. I mean, I would I would have joined that call. 100% would have joined the call. Just saying. Not at the end, but in like the early first year, would have joined that call. All right. So the one that I did is like a 180 from yours. It's just a weird cult. The leader, the leader's husband, just the whole family, the people that believe them. It's just weird in general. All right. So this one's based out of California. Mm. Are they a vegan cult? No, no. Mm. All right, so uh, it was based in California, and it was around, like, the 1920s. Oh. I don't think very many people were vegan back then. Yeah, very many. In the 1920s, uh, they were, there were over 400 active cults just in Southern California. What the hell is going on in Southern California? Right? What's happening? 1920s? Great. Oh, no. Great Depression was at the end. It's called the Blackburn Cult. Okay, what's now called the Blackburn Cult. But at the time, they called themselves the Divine Order of the Royal Arm of the Great Seal. Wow. Another long name for you. There's so many long names. They also called themselves the Great Eleven. It's labeled as a death cult. May... Otis Blackburn. That's her name. Ew. Disgusting name. She is the overall leader. Oh, oh, two female cult leaders? Right? We got another girl leader. I don't feel like that happens very often. Maybe it doesn't. We just don't know about it. Bad bitches. May Otis Blackburn. We're just going to call her May. She was considered the, quote, high priestess of the cult, which, I mean, she created it. It was hers. Um, and then she liked to call herself the heel of God. That's a weird place to select off the body, but okay. I would have definitely said hand. Yeah, exactly. Um, so May had a daughter. And I think May was in her, like, 40s at the time. But So she had a daughter, and her daughter was, like, 24. That's my age. Her name is Ruth. May and Ruth, they claimed that they had been visited by Gabriel and Michael. Oh my god, another Visions one. Yeah. In the book of Revelations, I'm pretty sure it said something about two witnesses. And I don't know anything else about it because I don't know where I wrote it down. So um, they claimed that they were those two witnesses that the book of Revelations was talking about. Hmm. And they had a task. Gabriel and Michael wanted them to write a book. And they were going to call it The Great Sixth Seal. And it was just supposed to be this book of divine knowledge. And then it was also going to, quote, bring about imminent apocalyptic events. What the fuck? So why write it, May? Like, what the hell? (laughs) (laughs) And let me just caveat by saying that the next person that I'm going to tell you about, if he hadn't said anything, they probably wouldn't have been investigated at all. Damn. Clifford Dabney is like... He sounds like a snitch. That's a snitch name. (laughs) Thanks, Cliff, you little snitch. (laughs) So he was the son of this oil tycoon, so he's a rich bastard. Sorry if you guys are rich listening to this. Um, Thanks for listening. So he obviously had money, but he gave May money to write her book. And he wanted, he funded this just because her book was supposed to have, like, oil and mineral deposits that no one else knew about, and he was supposed to get early access to this book so he could go get rich again yeah so that's why yeah that's why he gave her money but so he gave her like forty thousand dollars at the time just so she could write this book which i don't feel like forty thousand dollars is the amount it takes to write a book in the 1920s i could be wrong but there was uh, a source that said that it was about $750,000 was the valued amount in 2019. Holy shit. I'm about to be a writer. So that's how much money he gave her. And then I guess a few years passed and then he lost faith because she still hadn't like finished the book. 
And so he went to the police station and he claimed that uh, May had swindled him out of money, which, <laughs> let's be honest, she did. Duh. All right, so then around the same time, uh, some of the other members that she had had started reporting um, money issues as well, that she had just taken money from them and I guess they lost faith or whatever. So there's like this big oil tycoon told the cops that they should go investigate and then a couple other people did said the same thing and then the police were like, yeah, let's look into this Blackburn cult. Thanks to that, they started to do an investigation and then this is where they found like random things, maybe a body or two. Oh, God. Okay, but before we get to that, Clifford also gave May 164 acres in California for the cult. What the Just gave fuck? her this land. Yeah. So with the land, they built cabins, they built a church and an altar and like this throne because they were waiting for Christ's return. Wow, similarities. But then also there was apparently a natural amphitheater. Huh. And that's where they did like their supposed rituals. Mm-hmm. They did, like, nightly rituals. Sometimes they were nude. I don't know. Oh, my God. What the fuck? <laughs> They're an odd bunch. If, they, if I joined a call and they said, hey, guys, let's go out in the woods, but we got to be nude. I'm out. So those are my two. If you have a long orientation that lasts longer than 30 fucking minutes, and if I have to be nude, I'm not joining your call. It's not happening. Thank you, but no thank you. So these cult members also, there was a local tomato picking farm, and so these cult members would just work there during the day. But then all of their money went to May. Ugh. Okay, that's another thing, people. People listening, if you join a group and someone says, yo, go work out here, but come give me your money, it's a fucking cult. It is a cult. You're leaving your family, you're building your own housing in this one land, like this one area. They tell you to be new. You have your own amphitheater where you're just going to run around naked all the time. (laughs) Which, you know what, if you want to do that, do that, okay? I'm not going to shame you, but I feel like maybe you should take a step back. But if they force you? I don't think they forced anybody. I think it was just random people or like some of the higher ups. So you're telling me that like... Four people were running around naked while everyone else was dressed. <laughs> oh my god! I don't know because there were <laughs> there weren't really a whole lot of like witness statements for this. One guy did write a book, and I I'm, <laughs> I'm gonna say I didn't read it. Wow! But maybe if you guys want to read it, you can because I have the name of it. I can tell you. Undedicated. Let's. I'm sorry. I'm so sorry. I was reading so many things, <laughs> but. It is. The son of the last surviving member wrote a book, and the title is The Blackburn Chronicles, A Tale of Murder, Money, and Madness. So if anyone's interested, go to Amazon, get you a book. Pay for the call. Read about it. It'll be fine. I thought about reading it just for this, and I was like, I don't know if I want to read that book. But anyway, so then everyone gave all their money to May, which... Props to her because she was just getting money left and right without doing anything. She was it. She made. She's like the first pyramid scheme. <laughs> <laughs> okay, here's here's some other stuff. I didn't really write it down. It's just kind of some knowledge. So, her mom was like all about her being this witness and this high priestess. Her mom just loved it so much so that she even bragged about there was a time where May voluntarily chained herself to her bed for months it was like a little over two months i think so that she could become this high priestess wow yeah and mommy just went along with it she was so proud of it i hate her she was proud of it okay so then her stepdad also because they lived in oregon for a while but her stepdad uh closed down the shop i'm sorry i forgot what store he owned he closed it down, moved to California, and started a printing press so he could print out pamphlets for her cult. So they just... So her family is super supportive. Yeah, they just straight up enabled all of this. Yeah, they were like, yeah, you talk to Michael and Gabriel. Let's go, girl. Mm. So how they got to California, I'm not really... Unless it was just because Clifford gave them the land and she was like, yeah, we'll go there. But apparently she had this weird fascination with Death Valley, so that could have something to do with it. Hmm. Oh, no, I lie. I'm so sorry. Her daughter was an aspiring actress. Oh, Jesus And that's, how they, got to, <laughs> that's well, how they got to California. California has enough of those, sweetheart. 
But not in the 1920s. Uh, I feel like there's quite a few even then. 24-year-old <laughs> Ruth, she was going to make it. She was going to be a star. All right, so tomatoes. I just, I'm sorry. You have this land and you're going to tell me to pick tomatoes for a living and then give you all my money? I just don't. I'm, I'm not buying it. I would have just ate the tomatoes. I love tomatoes. Really? Yeah. Do you eat them like apples? Uh, I kind of uh, put salt on them. Mm, I'm mm. hungry. It's good. Intermission, we have to go get tomatoes. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so then Ruth, um, she liked to go to dance halls because, you know, she's an actress and she can also dance. Ugh. There's like some job called like a taxi dancer or something. I didn't understand it, so I just kind of left it alone, but apparently she also did that. Whatever that means. But yeah, she went to dance halls, and this girl, I don't want to call her a whore, but if the shoe fits. She would, like, go around dancing with these people, and uh, one of her, I guess, targets, she, okay, she was married. I don't know if I told you that. Uh This girl was married, and the guy was, like, a couple years younger than her, which, cool, whatever. But, so she was married, but she was going to these dance halls and dancing with these guys, but, like, she would dance with these guys on, like, a regular basis, and she would also have, like, relationships with them, kind of, but she wasn't the type of person who was into, like, physical anything yeah she I think she only kissed this guy like one time on the cheek or something and then like she wouldn't hold hands or anything so they were kind of together this guy so it was all emotional I guess she's weird but this guy was like in love with her he actually was under the impression that they were gonna get married knowing she had a husband oh what the hell Ruth but she basically um when he wouldn't give her any more money or when the money, like, wasn't enough for her, she basically threatened to go out and dance with other guys and not talk to him again, so he gave her more money. Oh, wow. I feel bad for the guy. Me too. But I am keeping mental notes. Writer and dancer. Big money in the 1920s, not now. Yeah, there's that, and that's kind of sad, but that's also how they got their money. So, I mean, she's just swindling people, her and her daughter. Ruth... Her last name is Rizzio, and she married Samuel Rizzio. Um, I already told you he was just a couple of years younger. So Samuel, bless him, he just disappeared. What? Yeah, he's he just disappeared, and his body has not been found. Oh, sure. Yeah, there's a couple of different stories. Uh, some of the cult members claim that, well, they said anyone who goes against Ruth will disappear. She's 24. Uh, he was, like, 22 at the time, I think. 22 or, like, 21. they're scared of a 24-year-old? I'm sorry. I meant May. Oh, If he okay. went against... That sorry, makes more sorry, sense. Sorry. You know, a little older. If he went against May, if anybody went against May, then... And no one would see them again. So, there's, um, just stipulations that he was just taken care of by her. Someone also said that... He may have been poisoned in a ritual that they did at that amphitheater. Because um, apparently May was, like, the queen of poisons or something. Women typically are. Yeah, if someone uses poison, typically a lady. But what the fuck? No one's been able to prove that. But apparently she also likes poison. So add that to her list of hobbies. But then um, some of the other cult members said that he hit Ruth. And that's why May made him disappear. But there's no proof. Um, Apparently his brother tried to, he became a driver for the cult. And he only did it because he was trying to get evidence so that they could charge May. That's horribly sad. Apparently he found some stuff, but it didn't help at all. So I don't know what he found, but. No. There's Sam. He's gone. (laughs) All right, so then it came out that there was like a couple of other disappearances of some people that they thought maybe the cult had something to do with. So first up is Harleen Sartoris. She was supposedly released from an asylum in Oregon, which I don't really know a whole lot about asylums in the 1920s, but can you just get released? I don't think so. (laughs) The story was that she was released from some asylum in Oregon and that she had mental and physical health problems. And... Apparently, like, she went to California to be with the cult. And the cult's out in the woods, right? Like, it's just on this 164-acre land. 
Just physical problems? What the hell, woman? Apparently, apparently they were like, I think 60-something miles from where the Manson family was. Ugh, bad voodoo. Yeah, so somewhere over in that area of California. I don't really know. But anyway, so she she goes from Oregon to California, supposedly. And then she dies from natural causes. And it was either, there's some, some places say that she died from heart problems and some say it was like a gastric illness. Okay, well, those are two very different things. Yeah, so we don't know. This girl died. But then here's the weird part about that. There's no records of her anywhere. And she didn't have any family. So people also don't even think this girl existed. Yeah. Well, I just don't understand why they would kill her unless she was annoying. Because if she didn't have family, then she didn't have money for the cult. No life insurance policy, if that was even a thing. Well, so if they're doing, like, these weird rituals and stuff where, you know, they poison people at this amphitheater, amphitheater, then, I mean, she could have just been, you know, collateral damage, just one of their little sacrifices. Because apparently they sacrificed, um, they did sacrifices of just, like, animals. And then something else said they sacrificed cars and trucks, but I'm not really sure how you do that, so. (laughs) (laughs) Cars and trucks? Yeah, I don't know. I could find any information about that. I really like that. I mean, they're weird. That's how weird this cult is. Fuck yeah. So I kind of believe it. But, okay, so there's the one girl, Harleen Sartoris, who probably never existed. Or did and was offed. Yeah. Both horrible options, really. Yeah. But, I mean, at least she's not in an asylum anymore. Yeah. <laughs> um, and then the next person is Addie McGuffin. Um, apparently, so nobody, we don't really know anything about her either. But one of the cult members said that she disappeared so she could hide the book that May was writing, The Great Sixth Seal. And then they claim she rejoined the cult in the 1930s, but nobody really knows who she is. So, Hmm. Addie, if you're listening. Hey, girl, hey. (laughs) But I'm confused about that because as far as I know, May never finished writing the book. Yeah. So I guess that was just their way of getting out of that Writing the book. Yeah. Oh, we can't finish the book because this random lady stole it, you guys. So then the other one, uh, Catherine Vols. So this one's a little sad, really. So Catherine Vols, she was a wife and then a mother of two boys, and they lived on this farm. And they had, like, their standard, you know, uh, schedule where she would make dinner and they would eat dinner, and then after dinner they would go and tend to some of the cows and stuff on the farm. But it was only, like, 30 minutes that the husband and the boys were outside and then when they came back in after 30 minutes uh she wasn't there Mm -hmm. so it was weird because she never really goes out plus um the reason that they came in so early is because it started pouring down rain and then it was like really dark outside where would she even go but then the other weird part is that her purse was still in the house and she didn't take any of her belongings. So oh, it's not like God. she just ran away. And yeah. uh, witnesses had said that she was super happy with her life and that she was really healthy. Which, I mean, you can take that with a grain of salt because the 1920s, who's not happy with their life? Yeah. Who it, and who's I healthy? I mean, outsiders aren't going to know, right? Mm-hmm. But yeah, so this, this girl just disappeared in the middle of the night in the pouring rain. But then within... An hour of her disappearance, they had these massive search parties of all, like, the townspeople and the police and everything, and they just searched for her. And it was so soon after she had disappeared, and it was raining really hard. So, I mean, she couldn't have really gotten that far, you would think, but no one could find her. Her body was never found? No one could find her. Oh Nobody knows what God. happened to her. It was not until, like, two years later... That the people even started thinking that it had something to do with the Blackburn cult. Because apparently some witness came forward and said that they saw her either getting pulled into or just getting into a large black car. Which, okay, that's vague. Yeah. But then um, apparently it was similar to the car that May owned at the time. Mm-hmm. So people think that the cult took her. So is she already a member of the cult or she was not? There's no information on her knowing anybody from the cult. Like, people people just thought that she was just either being watched or, like, um, 
a victim of opportunity or something for the cult because she wasn't part of it. What what the fuck they, well, I guess sacrificed her maybe with part of the rituals and all that? Or not at all because, I mean, she got into a large black car. You can't really tell me that. Yeah. I mean, it's similar to hers or so a witness says, but. Yeah, who the fuck knows? Two years later, right? They have no idea. Yeah, so she's, she's just, nobody knows what happened to her. So that was sad. Yeah. And now we're going to move on to the weird one. Ah. All right, so Frances Turner. Mm, nice name. Yeah, I feel bad for this lady. Um, okay, so she was paralyzed. Aw. And she couldn't speak. Oh, God. Yeah. So I have no idea how she got introduced to the cult or why she was there, but she was apparently... Had the cult because she needed treatment, right? They were just going to cure her paralysis and let her be able to talk. Well, their way of doing that was to bake her in an oven that May had built. What the fuck? For two days. She's just going to sweat it out. It'll be fine. I guess. I just don't even understand the logic behind it. But she built an oven. She had an oven built, right? To fit a person. Uh-huh. Not just a person, someone who's paralyzed and can't speak. So I feel so bad for n- this lady knowing, like, the terror that she was probably in when she was like, this bitch is going to cook me. I can't move or talk. Yeah. So she just, she was in an oven for two days, and then, of course, she died. I don't know how long it took for her to die, but that's a bad way to go. Yeah, that's a horrible way to go. That one's a little gut-wrenching for her. I feel really bad for her. So that was kind of like one of the odd uh, headlines of this cult. And I was like, wait, what? Yeah. So what else did you do? Poor thing. Um, Okay. So then the next one you're probably not going to like very much. But I'm going to give you a little bit of backstory because this was like the cake topper to this cult. Martha, William, and Willa. And Willa's the kid. Okay. And they seem like this super sweet family, and they were a part of the cult. And at first, when I read it, I was like, dang it, why is this family a part of the cult? Yeah. I'll tell you why. So, basically, what happened is the police, so after all that investigation, thanks to Clifford, um, they found the body of Willa Rhodes underneath her parents floorboards what the fuck that's not even the weirdest part they had kept her on ice for over a year why Mm, i'll get to that (laughs) basically this girl died and the parents were like oh no we can resurrect her so they kept her on ice but they also embalmed her body with pickling spices what Oh, my God. So even if you had, like, this magical power, don't you think that maybe her body wouldn't work because you've embalmed this girl? Yeah. It's going to be a little, you know, stiff. And I feel bad because, like, their kid died, so they could be a little distraught. Yeah, delusional. Don't worry. You won't feel bad for them in a minute. They had moved around at least twice and also taken her body with them. Oh, my God. <laughs> the first time that they transported her was when she died, and they just put her in the back of the car and buckled her in and drove her to their house. Okay, what the fuck? But that was, like, the day she died, so... Uh, okay. There's uh, weird rumors about the cult that every time they moved her, they put her in the back seat and that they preserved her so well that she looked like she was alive, but that's not true at all. It was just with the day she died, that's how they transported her. And then after that, they wrapped her in a blanket. But they moved at least twice, and they moved their daughter's body with them and put her back, put her, put her back under the floorboards. <laughs> okay, so not only that, she was also when the police found her body, they also found the bodies of seven dead dogs. Uh, seven? No. Right. Okay, and so here's the reason behind that, and I still don't really understand it, but. Set the seven dead dogs were supposed to be, uh, they were supposed to represent the seven tunes of Gabriel's trumpet, which was supposed to, I guess, initiate the resurrection. But then the resurrection also couldn't happen until the Great Sixth Seal was written and completed. So that's why they had kept their daughter on ice for over a year. What a bunch of fucking weirdos. After three months, I wouldn't believe it anymore. 
And I'd be like, all right, chop, chop. What the fuck's going on? Yeah, and if the Rhodes had been a normal family, they probably wouldn't. But I'll give you a backstory on them, and you're going to be like, oh, yeah, I get it. <laughs> Here's the other thing. It took over 600 pounds of ice a week <gasps> to preserve her body. Wow. So they're really trying. Yeah. It was a total of 14 months that they kept her preserved. You want to know how much ice that is? How much? 33,600 pounds of ice total. Where do you even get that amount of ice in the 20s, first of all? I don't know. The other thing was William Rhodes was a carpenter. And so he built her this coffin. And it was apparently like elaborate and it was copper lined so that it could um, help preserve the body. And then I don't know if it was their first or second home, but he also got one of his friends to help him so that he could build like this tomb basically underneath the floorboards. Cause it wasn't just, they put her body under the floorboards. Like they built this elaborate holding center for her. Oh, that's, that's kind of sad. It is sad, but it took them two days. Him and his friend, like what kind of friend is that? Yeah. Hey man, my daughter's dead, but can you help me like dig some stuff underneath my floorboards for two days and just don't say anything yeah, to the police we'll about just it? Make her feel, make sure she's really comfy under there. It's fine. It's fine. It is not fine. You feel bad for them as parents, but then also you're like, whoa, yeah, what? So Willow was born in 1907, and her mom at the time was 15, and I guess the father, his family wasn't gonna allow her to keep the baby, Aww. so. Their neighbors, a couple of houses down, were the roads, and the roads took the baby. There were rumors about the roads, I guess, from their neighborhood. So the first rumor was that the roads had had a son, and the son died at nine years old. Uh-huh. I don't know how, um, and I don't know around the time frame or anything, but I, from what I gather, it was before they adopted Willa, so before 1907. So their son died, But then apparently they just chose to bury him in their front yard instead of a cemetery. And they conducted like this elaborate um, ceremony for him in their front yard. Which, okay, again, your child died. Yeah, not going to fault you. And then the second rumor was that they would visit their son's grave like in the middle of the night when it was pitch black. And then sometimes they would also visit with other people, and then they would perform ceremonies for resurrection. Oh, so they just have a history of just being straight up weird. Yeah, right? A lot of people actually thought that they started their own cult. So this is before the Rhodes were part of the Blackburn cult. They apparently had their own cult, or at least were trying to start one. So in 1909, there was a physician that wrote into a local newspaper, and he was condemning the roads, basically, because he claimed that at least three children had died because their parents had sought the, quote, healing powers of Martha Rhodes. Oh, so she was claiming to have, like, divine healing powers or whatever. But girl, you couldn't bring your kid back, so why are you talking to all these other people? Well, here's what she claims. Martha claimed to have the ability to heal both humans and animals. Would you like to know how? Through the ability of, quote, thought waves. Wow. (laughs) Thought waves, guys. Thought waves. Listen, I'm into some weird new age, you know, weirdo (laughs) shit, but not that weirdo shit. So that's what she said herself. And then she also claimed that she could raise the dead. Not her son, but whatever. Yeah, the most important one to you, but okay. Sure, I'll take it. No, no, hang on. Uh, So she could raise the dead. She claimed that she had done so at least five times. I'm sorry. If your slogan is, I've done it at least five times, it means you don't know. And also, what are you talking about? You can't (laughs) raise the dead. And your son wasn't one of those five? Yeah, I guess her thought ways were a little short for that one. (laughs) And then, here's the kicker. She also claimed that she resurrected herself. Wow. (laughs) Just full on. Martha's a winner. (laughs) She is. She is confident. You know what? I need some of that. You know what else, though? She apparently, she worked as a, where was it? A Christian science camp welfare worker 
during the Great War in 1970. Christian science, science. and welfare. Those aren't three words mm-hmm. you normally hear in a sentence together. See, that's what I thought too, but apparently that was one of her jobs. So there's that. I like it. In 1920, okay, well, 1922, uh, Martha claimed that she met May. Yeah. But William had told police that he didn't meet uh, May until 1923. So Martha has been talking to May for a whole year behind her husband's back. Here's the creepy part. May apparently was super infatuated with Willa. Really? So, like, you know for the whole year behind William's back, Willa has been going to see May, and this cult leader is just infatuated with her. Yeah. That's scary. That's terrifying. Nah. So, she was so infatuated with her that she made her one of the queens in the cult. Oh, my God. Apparently, there were 11 the grade 11. Ah, all females? Uh, yeah, they were all queens. May you join this call? <laughs> <laughs> May also dubbed her with the title of the Tree of Life. And she wanted it to connect her with, I mean, I guess, resurrection. She wanted to, I don't know. Weird. I'm not, I'm not buying the cult thing, so I don't get it. But yeah, she was named the Tree of Life. Okay, and then in 1924, the Rhodes moved to California so that Willa could be with the other ten queens. Hmm. Okay, so they move in 1924. Yeah. I don't know what month. Yeah, here's the sad part. January 1st, 1925, Willa died. Oh my god. So she wasn't even there very long. She didn't get to be a queen for very long. She was 16 years old at the time. Oh, that's so young. Yeah. She died, and a lot of accounts say that it's just it was because of an abscessed tooth that went untreated. Huh. Which, I mean, yeah, probably. Yeah, 20s, I you guess. You get an abscessed tooth, you don't get that treated in the 1920s. Like, yeah, there's probably some other issues. Or, you know, maybe May killed her with her poisons. Yeah. There was um, <laughs> there was a uh, stipulation about that. I think one of the cult members thought that she killed May, but... Or, sorry, she killed Willa. But I could just see her being jealous enough to kill her. If you, like, immediately upon meeting her are so infatuated with her, and then a year or less after they move out there, she's dead. Mm. Weird. And you've been known to just kill off random members? Weird. Yeah. And here's the other thing. May claimed that Willa died because she had wrongful faith. What? Yeah, definitely sounds like she poisoned her. Right? I like that name, though, Willa. Yeah, it's pretty. pretty. And it's cute, too, because she was so close to her dad, and his name is William. Yeah, it's so cute. I hate it. (laughs) (laughs) So the Rhodes did all that stuff to their daughter because they were convinced that the cult could resurrect her. I feel so bad for them. Mm -hmm. And then apparently, I guess after 14 months, they just lost hope, and they were like, no, she's, I mean, May's not going to resurrect her. So they buried her in um, 1926. Aw, well, I'm glad she finally got a resting place. Well, I mean, it's still under the floorboards, but <laughs> they, they officially buried She's her. She's not on ice anymore, you know? One step at a time. Yeah. The cops didn't actually find her body until 1929, though. Oh, wow. So that's how long she had been so under So did there. the parents, like, leave and left the body, or were the parents, like, investigated... And they found the body. Um, so they showed up at the Rhodes' doorstep, and I guess they had asked them some questions. The Rhodes just kind of told them everything. Oh, wow. They ended up not being charged with anything. Interesting. They could have been charged with, like, two different counts. It was, like, a failure to report a death and unlawful burial or something, yeah. but they weren't charged. And it's probably because they, like, gave the police a lot of information. Something with the corpse. That could have been a charge. Yeah. Okay, yeah, so May, she's just, uh, I hate her. Yeah. (laughs) But, so, when she was charged, she was convicted of eight counts of grand theft. So, this is just money that she's being charged with, right? Yeah. Yeah, so, well, they got her on, like, who was that big um, gang leader that they got on, like, embezzlement and fraud? Yeah, but, like, they couldn't ever prove that she had killed anybody. Yeah. And they couldn't tie any disappearances to her, so... It was eight counts of grand theft, 
And then here's the kicker. Her conviction was overturned on appeal. Oh, and there's two different okay. reasons. There's, well, okay, I think that her appeal was approved because her lawyer was like, oh, well, they tried to use, like, these deaths and these disappearances against her, and the jury convicted her based on that. But that had nothing to do with grand theft. Yeah. So that was one argument. Everyone has a right to a fair trial, but some people... That's true. You just fucking know they're guilty. Yeah. And then, so the other one, and probably the one that actually got her out, is they, uh, the lawyer claimed that when she took this money from these people, you couldn't prove that she didn't, like, in good faith take this money, right? Like, she had this belief, the, these people gave her this money for that belief, and everybody believed it, right? You couldn't prove that she didn't. So that was the other one, and then kind of caveating off of that is that they said that the people who gave her money did so based on a religious belief and that even if that didn't whatever they were expecting to happen didn't happen you couldn't charge her with anything because you can't go against religious beliefs oh my fucking god the religious loophole hate it yeah i mean she got out she got out so here's yeah she's she got out she got off. Like she her conviction was overturned. Oh so my God. she didn't she didn't really serve any time. I think she spent a little bit of time in jail, but after her appeal, she won. Let's talk about her husband. I'm almost done, but like you're gonna love this. So May's mom marries Mr. Blackburn. <laughs> and when I don't know his first name. So when they got married, Mr. Blackburn also also ooh, also had a son who was like girl real real young real young okay and I don't think the mother was May's mother but I can't be certain uh-huh. because of how young this kid is this guy is so basically May got a divorce from her first husband who is also the father of Ruth and then she marries her stepbrother that's just who is Oh, there's more. Who was one year younger than Ruth, her daughter. Nope. Nope, nope, nope. <laughs> I hate her. So she marries this guy. And he's just following her around. And he's like, yeah, man, we're married. Like, cool. I'm younger than your daughter, but whatever. Nope, nope, nope. All right, so you want a picture of what this guy looks like? I'm going to describe him for you. Okay. He is kind of this, like, shorter man. Um, and then he's got, like, these brown eyes. And he would trim his eyebrows into thin little lines. Early 2000s style. Yeah. His mustache was a Fu Manchu. A what? It's called a Fu Manchu. (laughs) I've never heard that. (laughs) All right. So it like, he's got his regular mustache. And then it's almost like, think handlebar mustache, but like the ends come straight down and like kind of at a slant. So his mustache looks like this. Yeah, what the heck? And it comes down, like, past his lips. It's ridiculous is what it is. So, and then his hair is kind of longer, and he slicks it back every day. That's some weird shit. Not only that, apparently he really liked to wear this, like, brown, loose-fitting suit. I just picture, like, this yellow shirt in it, too. I don't know. But, like, he would wear this suit, and it was brown, which, gross, okay? (laughs) Gross. In the 1920s, <laughs> just stop it. Apparently, he would wear the same clothes for days. No. Mm-mm. Apparently, he smelled. And there's also a rumor that he was a pedophile. Oh, wonderful. Just, you know, cherry on the top. Thanks, I hate it. Cult leader's husband, everybody. <laughs> so, there's that. I hate that. And that's my cult. And that's the Blackburn cult. And you're welcome. <laughs> These are some good picks. Yours is fucked up. Yeah. I mean, mine's pretty fucked up too, but. Yeah, yours is pretty fucked up. Mine's just weird. It's like, what the hell did you, why did you decide to do that with your life? (laughs) But, okay, so she never, she never wrote The Great Sixth Seal. She did write a book though, and she had it published. What is it? I'm sure her fucking stepdad published it. The Jackass. (laughs) So it was called, it was 1936, she published the book called The Origin of God. Hmm. Shorter name. Yeah. And then in 1951, she died. Wow. 
Well, I guess we can thank her for not writing the sixth seal and the world not ending. Oh my god, thank you. But yeah, that's my cult. That was good. <laughs> that was messed up. That was good. There's some, I think there's a conspiracy theory about the Blackburn cult and the Manson family. Mm, I like the Manson family too. Well, I like learning about the Manson family. I don't like them. Yeah, if I ever met anyone from the Manson family, I would run like hell. Yeah. Don't take my baby. But yeah, if we if we do conspiracies or something like that, then I will try to look into that and see if it actually has any merit or yeah. you know okay. enough to talk about. So maybe we might come back around to the Blackburns and the Mansons. It's all a loop. It goes all the way to the top. All right, well, thanks for joining us, and we'll talk with you guys next week. Yeah, Bye. thank you.